What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. My name is Jason Hill, if you guys don't already know. Welcome in, and thank you for checking out another episode. So in today's podcast, I want to discuss what I would call the three pillars that you need to be successful at jiu-jitsu. Now, this isn't going to be something like technique pillars or any of that kind of stuff, because there's a lot of subjective information on that. There's a lot of um, different takes on techniques. But what I want to talk about today is that if you have any desire or goals to accomplish anything in jujitsu, and I'm not even talking about tournaments or any of those kinds of metal accolations, I'm just talking about that jujitsu brings you so much joy in life. You're so happy that you found it and you want to have it as part of your life for lifelong, a lifetime. You want your kids to be able to do it. You want to be able to pass it down to other people. There's basically three pillars that you have to have set up in your jujitsu in order for you to be successful, whether that's short term or long term. And usually when people quit, it is one of these pillars has crumbled. You know, I've been teaching and training jujitsu now for 13 years. So I've seen a lot of people quit jujitsu. I've contemplated quitting, quitting jujitsu in my life at some point. So I've literally seen thousands of people quit. I have um, taught students all the way up to black belt um, from a white belt. So I, I have a lot of different perspectives and takes on it. And so usually these are the three things that it boils down to for students to be successful in jujitsu for long term in order to achieve um, what they want to stay in jiu-jitsu. So the three pillars are going to be, you have to have the knowledge and information. So that's one pillar. The second pillar is that you need to have training partners and you need a way to practice the information. And then the last one is going to be guidance and support. So we're going to break all of those down a little bit more into detail. So let's start off with the knowledge and information part. So obviously, if you're wanting to get anything out of jujitsu, so even if you're wanting to only train jujitsu for self-defense, well, you have to have the knowledge of how to defend yourself. You have to be shown the techniques and be exposed to the information in order to be able to protect yourself, right? So you have to be exposed to enough knowledge and information if you want to accomplish anything in jujitsu. I like to say that this is the obvious one. Almost everyone knows this. Now, here's the problem with knowledge and information. You can be exposed to too little knowledge and information, or you can be exposed to too much knowledge and information. So let's talk about each one of those. So if you're exposed to too much knowledge and information, like if you're buying all kinds of YouTube, um, not buying YouTube, but if you're watching all kinds of YouTube videos or buying all kinds of instructionals, a lot of times that can make you feel like it's overwhelming that there's so much information that you need to know. And you're like, there's absolutely no way I could learn all of this. There's no way I could be a black belt. And you know, you got to understand jujitsu is an industry. There's a business with it. Like everything, it there's a business. People are trying to make money out of it. So if you're exposed to too much knowledge and information, that can 100% make you quit. Obviously, too, at your academy, if your instructor kind of just throws a bunch of techniques at you and it's not clear and organized, a lot of times that can discourage students, too, because they have no guidance. They have no path on anything of what they're supposed to be doing. 
Now, the other side of the coin is you could have too little of information. So this is where I would like to say that if a blue belt ran an academy, for an example, um, at some point, you're probably going to catch up to that blue belt's knowledge and they're only going to be able to take you so far. Now, sometimes that's not a problem for students because um, this is probably a different topic for a whole other day. But yes, I do essentially think, long story short, blue belts can teach jujitsu 100% because if they're teaching to people who know less than them, then they have something to offer. So if they're only teaching white belts, they definitely have something to offer. But if you're a white belt and your goal is to get to a black belt, you're going to have two options when you learn from a blue belt. You're either going to have to wait out until that blue belt um, acquires enough information and knowledge to become a black belt so they can share it with you. Or if you're wanting to go faster, you're going to have to find somebody else that has enough information. So the whole reason why we buy anything in life is because we're buying other people's experiences and past mistakes. So if you even take the light bulb, Thomas Edison created the light bulb and he did it a thousand ways wrong. And then whenever he finished the light bulb, it was the one right way. So whenever you go buy a light bulb at the store, you bought a thousand wrong ways to do it, right? So you bought the right way to do it. You bought other people's experience. You bought other people's time. So you have, that's, that's how you think about purchasing something. So if you're a white belt training with a blue belt and you're wanting to expedite that process and speed it up, then you're gonna have to go find somebody else that's accomplished that. Now, of course, if you don't want to do that, maybe you really like your jiu-jitsu instructor who's a blue belt and you have, you're in a no hurry, no problem at all. It's totally up to you and it's your journey, which we'll talk about more in the guidance and support section. Now, the next part is your training partners, because once you have the information and knowledge, if you're wanting to become a black belt in jujitsu or become more skilled or even just improve yourself enough for self-defense, you're going to have to train it against resisting based opponents. That's what makes jujitsu so effective is that we can train against resisting opponents almost 99%. They can go 99% hard. And then right before they put my arm into an arm lock, I can tap out and they won't hurt my arm and we can go back and do it again. That's why jujitsu is so effective because you can train it with very, very heavy resistance and still get benefit out of it and not be hurt. You can't do that with striking arts. Striking arts are very challenging to train at 99% because you just get concussions all day. So um, that's a big benefit to jujitsu. So you need to have adequate training partners. So that's usually what you get at the academy that you are training at. You can even be training at home with your friends. I know there's a lot of people that, you know, don't want to go to an academy. Maybe they don't want to, they can't afford it. They don't have time to go for whatever reason. So they will have a couple friends come over to their house. They purchase instructionals and they'll watch the videos. They drill it together. And that's awesome. If you have the discipline and you have the right types of friends that will, are willing to do that, that's great. But usually the way that you hack that is you go to an academy. Once again, you're buying other people's experiences and past mistakes. Because even when you go to an academy and you're training with 
other students that are in an academy, you're learning from them. You're not just learning from your instructor, you're learning from the other students around you. So they can also share their experiences and share their information. So if you're a blue belt and then you're training with a brown belt, even if he's not a head instructor, but you're rolling and sparring, you're going to gain information from him. As opposed to if you're a blue belt only training um, in your garage with other blue belts, well, you guys are going to be only exposed to so much information because you maybe don't have the upper belt running around. There's just a higher percent chance that when you're in an academy environment, you're going to be able to be exposed to more knowledge and information and learn from other people's experience. So what I recommend is if you don't have much time to be able to go to an academy, like I know some people have crazy work schedules and they just don't have the ability to do that, make it a habit of like going to a school and going to open mats, maybe do a dropping class like every two or three months. So that way you're still getting that experience. You're still learning and it's not as heavy on your wallet or pocketbook that you're able to still um, make improvements of some kind. But there is a huge benefit of training at an academy. I think people have a misunderstanding that there is so much information on the internet that there's no point to having academies now. And I disagree with that because of these other reasons. Um, and honestly, people are also very lazy. Um, and I, and I'm like this too. I, I love instructionals and I learn from instructionals, but I am better as an in-person learner. I will only watch an instructional so far before I have to take a break versus when I'm in the room of something, um, I'm paying attention. I'm a lot more focused. It's just, it's just how I learn. So that style will always be needed in, in my opinion, maybe not with the internet kids coming up, they can learn everything online. So now the last one is support and guidance. And this is really actually the biggest benefit to having an academy or training at an academy or finding someone that you trust, because you can buy an instructional, you can train at home with your friends but if you don't have some kind of a coach or an authority figure or an expert that you absolutely trust to guide you, you will only get so far. And the reason why I say that is because once again, when you are hopefully buying something, you're paying for other people's mistakes and experiences. So when you have like a brown belt or a black belt or whoever you deem as a expert, who can help you, they can help you point out the pitfalls and help you avoid them so you don't make them, if they're a good coach, in my opinion. That's one thing I really try to do for my students is one of the biggest benefits is not me showing them 50 different triangles. Can I do that? Absolutely. Can I fix their triangles? Absolutely. But the way that I'm fixing it is not by showing them a brand new way. It's saying, hey, if you don't focus on this detail, it's going to cost you in the long run because here's what's going to happen. So what you're, what I'm trying to show them is not just a million things, but I'm trying to show them how they can make it better so they don't have that pitfall in the future. And that is another option for whenever you're trying to determine what you should be training. 
maybe what training plan you should be trying to work. You can sit down with your coach and be like, coach, do you think this is good? Do you think this is bad? Because maybe they can give you some insight. They're like, man, I thought just like you at one time, I thought I needed an X, Y, and Z, but really what I needed was this, this, and this. And I wish I would have known that sooner. But that advice you can only take if it's for someone you trust. If you don't trust that person, if you don't think that they have anything to value, then you're not going to listen. It's like a teenager whenever your parents are telling you, hey, believe it at one time, I was your age too and I made those same mistakes and I thought that same way. And then you when you were a teenager, you're like, ah, whatever, they don't know. That was a long time ago. They don't know what it's like to be me now. And then as you get older as an adult, you're like, wow, yeah, my parents were right. And if you've never said that before, then you had an interesting upbringing because most people do. So having a coach or having some kind of person who you absolutely trust to either point you in the right direction, validate what you're doing is correct, or even help you avoid those pitfalls is super important. So because if you one of those pillars crumble, if you don't have enough information and knowledge, if you don't have enough training partners or ways to develop the techniques, or if you don't have enough guidance, you will quit jujitsu. So let me give you an example. What happens is this thing called the blue belt blues for a lot of people. When students get the blue belt blues, that usually refers to usually two things. It could be it could be any of the three things, but usually in my experience, it's, it's two of these pillars. It's because they have too much knowledge and information, not enough. It's not because they lack knowledge and information. They're exposed to too much and they don't know how to organize it, and they don't know what to do, so they get lost, and they get frustrated, and then they quit. So that pillar collapses. A way that they could lean on that more or help that not collapse is by leaning on their coach or fighting, finding, not fighting, finding more guidance and being able to do that. Now, that's part of the coach's job is to offer more guidance and be able to help them. Once again, that's a whole separate topic about how to teach jujitsu, how to think jujitsu, what, what I think coaches should be doing. But it's usually because one of the pillars had collapsed. Let's say that you're um, training in the garage. You're one of these guys that's training in the garage and you have friends that come over and you really rely on that. Well, what that pillar is going to collapse is that eventually if you run out of friends and you can't get anyone to come over and you don't want to go to an academy, that pillar collapses. And if you are that same style that's only training in your garage, well, if you buy all the instructionals and you buy all of this stuff, there's a good chance you're lacking the guidance and support. You don't know if what you're doing is right on the techniques. Like even if you're following it as best as you can, you're drilling the techniques just like you see on the video and you're trying your best and it looks very similar without someone standing over you to to really correct it or feel it or give you another piece of insight, you're always going to have that doubt and that question if you're in your head, if you're doing it right. So you need to be able to find someone that you trust and a coach, right? So, and then there's other parts that people have had great information. They've had great knowledge. They have great training partners, but they're even at an academy, but they lack the coaching. They lack someone that they trust. They don't trust their coach. Maybe their coach has screwed them over in the past, or even sometimes it's the student's fault. I've seen this before. I've seen what happens is that students who get kind of cocky, I guess what I would say, 
is what happens is they become very good at jujitsu. So maybe you're like in your twenties and maybe your coach is in their forties. And so what happens is over seven, six, you know, years, eight years, as you're, you know, 25, 26, 27, 28, you're coming into the prime of your athletic career and your coach is in his forties. And he, now he's in his late forties to maybe early fifties. Sometimes those younger students will think that they have surpassed their coach and their coach because maybe they can tap their coach now or they are, you know, doing better in the gym or whatever. They think their coach has no more to value or to offer and they then stop trusting their coach. And sometimes it is true. Maybe maybe they don't trust their coach because their coach can't help them bring them to that next level. But a lot of times they're only looking at it in the sense of like, oh, my coach can't tap me anymore. There's nothing left to offer. So they lose faith in the coach for whatever reason. What's super fascinating about this topic is like the John Danaher and Gordon Ryan. I guarantee you guys, if John Danaher and Gordon Ryan trained together, Gordon Ryan would crush John Danaher. He would tap him left and right with his own techniques. But that doesn't mean that John Danaher doesn't have anything to value Gordon Ryan. And if, actually, if you've listened to most recent interviews of Gordon Ryan, he said if John ever stopped coaching, he would stop competing. That's how much he trusts somebody. I think students don't buy into a trust enough. They're so worried that it's going to be like a culty mindset. They're like, you know, there's all these other videos on the internet of YouTube about like, oh, jujitsu instructors are cults and, you know, you don't need to listen to them and you don't need to take their advice. You know, you can walk your own way and don't have a cult figure and all that stuff. And I'm not saying jujitsu instructors are perfect. And there are ones that are out there like that. But at the end of the day, if there's someone that you don't trust, it's, it's a sucky world to go through life, to walk through life without having someone that you can trust and bounce ideas off of, that's a lonely world. And if you don't have that in jujitsu, especially of one of the most difficult martial arts and physical practices to um, practice, good luck. That's what I would tell you, you know, like the guy off taken, good luck. So those are the three pillars that I think you need to have success to be successful in jujitsu if you want to get anything out of it. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully you can get some information and benefit out of it. Um, if you guys haven't already, make sure you leave this podcast five stars. Um, leave me a good review. Share it with some of your friends. Um, I, I'm really happy with the feedback that I've gotten from it. So thank you guys again for all your support. And until next time, take it easy.